Right now, how you can turn your excess garden produce into pickles, preserves and more. Neva and Yotam K run Pakaraka Farm on the Coromandel Peninsula, located in the Kowaranga Valley near Thames. The 215 acres of permaculture venture is an off-grid example of diverse agroecological projects and includes 180 acres of regenerating native bush. The couple run workshops, online courses and sell their produce. Uh, what they grow is featured in their book, The Abundant Kitchen. They are with us to talk about what to do with that surplus produce. It all seems to come at once sometimes. Welcome, Yotam. Welcome, Neva. Thank you, Catherine. Hello. Excited to be here. You have a connection, I think, to a former Green Party leader. If my memory serves me correctly, were you neighbours with the late Jeanette Fitzsimons? Correct. We are um, farm partners, so we own the farm together. Wow. Uh, it is a small country, as we say, as we say. These connections are not unusual. Does one need to have a bountiful garden to make the most of your recipes? How have you gone about uh, uh, shaping options for people here? Yeah, so first, when we wrote this book, The Abundant Kitchen, we really uh, took a huge effort. I, I almost took it that we need to grow almost everything we can that's featured in the book in the uh, in the gardens. But you absolutely don't have to do that. You don't have to grow your own. You can purchase it wherever you purchase your produce. We've written the book so you can make everything in small batches in a home kitchen. And um, saying that we do sometimes go and buy a produce at the farmer's market, especially when it's summer and there's heaps of food that we don't grow. And then we buy it at low cost and, um, and preserve heaps of it. Let's talk about the different methods that you cover. Pickling, preserving and fermenting. Explain the difference between them, if you would. Um, for sure. So um, firstly, the book covers roughly... 11 different practices, but uh, pointing out pickling, preserving, and fermenting. Pickling is generally um, refers to using vinegar. So vinegar reduces the pH and that makes the food safe, safe to keep and uh, preserves it. Fermenting, uh, when we say fermenting, we usually mean when we're using microorganisms to interact with the food and transform it. So this could be by creating the right conditions for microorganisms to come and inhibit that ferment or by introducing a live culture like you would with kombucha, for example. Um, when we talk about preserves in our book, we mainly mean uh, when you make something using heat. So you're sanitizing your equipment, you're sanitizing the food and reducing any harmful microorganism that could lead to spoilage. All right. Well, let's yep. look at some of the vegetables that are suitable. You often get a glut, don't you? And I'm thinking of tomatoes. They just—they all seem to ripen at the same time. What are the vegetables that typically do all ripen and suddenly you feel like you're laden and you won't be able to give it all away? Yeah, um, we we do grow like a, a huge diversity of vegetables, and often we end up having almost any type of vegetable in abundance. So you can really um, you can really ferment and preserve most vegetables and fruits. Um, so, Neva, do you want to um, mention anything? Yeah, so well, I guess with fermenting, it's um, it's often those root veggies which you you might saw as a as a block, and then you've got a whole lot of radishes, a whole lot of um, carrots, and it's great to eat some fresh. But it's also um, those are great vegetables to ferment. Cabbage is of course a classic, making sauerkraut. Um, always want to have some chili in there. 
And yeah, so that's just thinking of fermentation. Yes, and when we have lots of fruits um, or abundance of herbs or edible flowers, we'll often add them to drinks, um, like kombucha and mead. And as you mentioned, tomato sauce and summer fruits, we do heaps and heaps of that. Yeah. Why always put chili in the fermentation? I mean, not always, but um, chili, I guess there's two things. Firstly, it's delicious, like slightly... um, slightly hot vegetable ferments i think they're really nice it does also have it does also contribute actually to the food safety now let's talk about sauerkraut which is all the rage course a good example of fermentation how difficult or easy is it to make it's getting pretty costly in the supermarket like most things yeah, indeed. Um, Zakrat is actually so easy. It's so easy to make. You, if you have a medium cabbage and a tablespoon of salt, you can make roughly a liter of Zakrat uh, ready to eat in a couple of weeks. Flavor it however you like, uh, with herbs, with spices, add other vegetables in it. So one of the easiest things. Uh, could you talk through us? Uh, just talk us through how you do it. Sure. So um, to make Zakrat, you get your cabbage, uh, make sure it's clean. Um, I like to set a couple of clean leaves aside to use at the end and then um, chop it. You can use a mandolin or you can um, cut it whichever like whichever way you like to cut your cabbage, really. And then uh, adding a tablespoon of salt roughly per cabbage, uh, you basically knead it together. And as you do that, what happens is the salt and the movement help break apart the the plant cell and draw the the juices out of the cabbage and that's actually how you make the brine so the the cabbage is actually fermented in the juices of the cabbage and you Uh, you pack it yeah pack pack it into a jar put that one clean leaf at the top weigh it down so everything stays under the brine generally really important with ferments with pickles to keep everything under the brine Uh, put a lid with an airlock ideally and wait a couple of weeks Yotam, what are your favourites, perhaps for preserving? Sure. Um, I love preserving summer fruit and vegetables. Um, So often it will be peaches, strawberries, tomatoes, eggplants. It will often be that we have these, because we grow these crops. So with peaches, it will be a few weeks of heaps of peaches, so crates and crates. With tomatoes, it would be uh, probably a batch of to make preserves every every week for the summer. I'll usually make my preserves in the middle of the day, pretty much what's equivalent to a siesta in Spain. And um, then I will we'll just make a pot or two at a time and then make enough that it would last us for the winter. What are some key tips for preserving? Sure. Um, so some of the key tips, um, you're going to eat it. So only put things that you would enjoy eating. Um, we're not talking about an industrial factory here. So if, if you see any spoiled parts, remove them. Very ripe things are fine, uh, but not funky stuff. Uh, fruit preserves, unlike jam, do, um, don't have to have a huge amount of sugar in them. So we, we make most of our fruit preserves, all our preserves, um, relatively not sweet. We just put something that's equivalent, um, say a teaspoon of honey per liter of preserve, um, just to offset some of the sour flavors. Um, use good jars and good lids. Leave enough headspace, which means to leave a bit of a gap between the preserves and the lid, something like two and a half to three centimeters, because the food does expand. Um, as it's being canned. Um, and then we also use different types of size jars 
to um, to fit whatever we're making. So I'll have like a really big jars, like one or even two little jars of preserves, but I'll also have like 250 mil jars for just that um, that small dish that I want a little bit of uh, tomato sauce or strawberry sauce or peach sauce or eggplant. And then um, I don't have any that's left over and then can potentially spoil. So when I preserve, it will keep really well for a year or two, but but once it's opened, it will only stay uh, nice for a few days. And what is the shelf life of preserves? Um, yeah, so preserves can, that go through canning can last for several years, but the quality do, does deteriorate over time. So we usually prefer to eat ours within the year. Presumably, by the time we finished eating them, we'll have a new crop of that vegetable or fruit that we can enjoy fresh and then preserve for the next year. Now, New Zealanders of a certain age might be familiar with pickled onions, but there are many more things that can be pickled. What other things? Um, Yeah, I think almost every vegetable can be pickled. Uh, We love pickling vegetables in mixes, so uh, like Middle Eastern style pickle. We love using seasonal vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, carrots, capsicums, tomatillo, beans, courgettes even. Yes, the courgettes. Um, I love courgettes, but people have a sort of a love-hate relationship with them. Yeah. And they can go into baking as well, some of these vegetables, of course. Yeah, um, courgettes are actually a great example. You can put um, courgettes in breads or even in cakes, and they they add um, moisture, and um, you don't have to notice they're there too much otherwise. (laughs) Courgettes are a tricky one. Yeah. Now, yogurt is another uh, option that you cover off. How easy to make your own yogurt? It is pretty straightforward, but there are a few key things to pay attention to. Um, so Niva explained cabbage, that was uh, sauerkraut, that was really easy. Um, when we, when you do go to make your own yogurt at home and everybody can do it and you don't need any fancy equipment, uh, there's a few things to pay attention to. So one is using fresh milk and then we need to heat it up um, so it's pasteurized without burning it. That's relatively simple. Then it needs to be cooled down um, to about 40 degrees Celsius so it can be inoculated without killing the inoculant. You need to use um, a live culture to inoculate it. We often do that by purchasing a yogurt, a live cultured yogurt that we like, and then using a teaspoon from that. And so um, that's the m- m- and then once you've made it, you can use your own yogurt um, starter. We always make a small jar that's specifically going to inoculate our next batch. Um, and then the last tricky bit is once you've got your milk um, inoculated, you need to keep it at temperature for about eight hours. So it needs to be warm. Um, it doesn't have to be warm to a degree, but what we tend to do is put it in a chili bean with some hot water bottles. And that does the trick. There are many other ways that you can keep the yogurt at temperature. So not above 40 but um, ideally close to it. Is it wrong to flavour it up? Should it just be natural? (laughs) Um, So what we tend to do is uh, make um, rose and honey flavoured yoghurt. Yeah, but we we make plain yoghurt and then you, yeah, once the yoghurt is made, you can flavour it. When you've got a berry glut, right? (laughs) That's right. That's delicious, isn't it? Thank you both. May there be many more gluts. Thank you, Yotam and uh, Neva Kay uh, from the Coromandel Peninsula. And their book is The Abundant Kitchen.